Hey there, friends. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to invite you to our next Collaboration Zone Zoom party. This is a free Zoom chat get together with all of my entrepreneur friends in the Rise and Recovery Network, where we can share mind and business growth tips, strategies, and you get to network with other entrepreneurs of all experience levels. So if you want to level up your business and get connected, book your spot today. Head on over to www. The road forward slash collaboration zone. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey guys, Tamar here from the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on another episode where we chat with my good friend, Justin Bryan. Now, Justin has been on the show before. He was on the road to health and I just wanted to get him back on the Road Beyond Recovery because he's a fellow coach. He is doing so much for the addiction and mental health industry. And so I wanted to have him back on the show because he is just, he's got such a great message and he's so passionate about what he does. So before we get into that, you know, as I've mentioned on previous episodes, if you're someone who really wants to dig into discovering your purpose, right? And you want a little bit more clear focus and direction, make sure you book a discovery call with me. You can head on over to the show notes and book that free call today. And if you're an entrepreneur and maybe you're struggling with that belief system and mindset, uh, I can also help you with that. So book one of the free business audit session calls today. We can do some brainstorming and hopefully help you overcome some of those roadblocks that you might be facing in not only your personal, but your business life as well. Okay, so as mentioned today, we are chatting with my good friend, Justin Bryan, and I'm really excited to have Justin back on the show because he gets into his story a little bit more in depth. We also talk um, about mental health and addiction and how many of us um, who have overcome addiction do suffer from mental health. So he is incredibly passionate. If you follow him on Instagram, and we'll make sure to have all of those shortcuts in the show notes for you, you can see that he does a lot for the community. He's very passionate about helping others. That's why he started his coaching business. And he also has a passion for speaking and basically, you know, sharing his message and that it's okay to be going through these things and that they're, you know, people aren't alone. And I think it's amazing. So I'm not going to share his story. I'll let him do that. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back, everybody. I am hanging out with my two-time guest and amazing Canadian friend, Justin Bryan. How are you? I'm really good, Tamar. It's really good to see you again and yes. to be back on the show. I know. Well, we'll have to, you're just going to have to be a regular. I hope you know that. 
Hey, you know what? I just might. <laughs> so why don't you, for those new listeners to the show, why don't you kind of give us a quick intro, who you are, what you do, and where you're from? Well, my name is Justin Bryan. I'm from a little town in British Columbia, Canada, called Salmon Arm. I am a mental health advocate, an inspirational speaker, and a life coach. But you know what? To get to be able to put those, you know, I like to call them titles <laughs> in front of my name on a business card, whatever you, however you want to look at it. I, you know, I had a 16-year-long battle with addiction from drugs to alcohol, and also pretty much a lifelong battle with my own mental health. So it's been quite the journey to be able to get here, but uh, it was definitely well worth it. And, you know, I wouldn't change it for a second, you know, because I don't have to, but I get to help inspire, encourage people to become their strongest versions. And that you do. And, you know, I admire what you do because it's, you know, that's near and dear to my heart too. I always, you know, when I share my story, I always like to talk about the fact that I had a really good upbringing because I think there's a lot of, the perception out there is that you have to have gone through something traumatic. Now I've gone through traumatic before, but that was more in my addiction as opposed to beforehand. So, you know, what was life growing up for you? Because I know we all have different stories on that. Well, you know what? I didn't have a bad upbringing either. Um, and I, like in my speech that I, when I go to talk to schools, I let people know, Hey, I didn't have that bad of an upbringing. Like, so it can happen to you. If you think you're invincible or, you know what? Like I used to think I, you know, I was too smart to be an alcoholic. I was too smart to be a drug addict. I'm too strong to be depressed. No, you are not invincible. And it can, it can get you if you're not paying attention. But now from what I know now about mental health and depression and anxiety and stuff like that. So I was diagnosed with clinical depression, which is sadness, which is every day, um, social and general anxiety, which one of the biggest reasons I used alcohol is so I could leave my house, you know, talk to that girl, go on that dance floor, you know, yeah, he's even used it to play hockey and sports, right? Just when I would go from my house to a friend's house, I'd have a half a Mickey or the one of the mini Mickeys. So uh, also ADHD. And I wasn't diagnosed with this stuff from until I was 28, 30 years old. So I kind of lived with that stuff, but I also went through, you know, some, I had some concussions and so some head traumas, but from more I know now, I look back on it and as myself as a kid, you know, I had friends. I picked on a little bit. Um, I, maybe some of it I deserved. I was, I was little, I was healthy, you know, I thought I was fast, but they always caught me. Um, I always, I'm always wanted to be somebody else. I always compared myself to other people. I'm always wanted to be them and not me. You know, I was behind my friends in sports, which is, that was a really hard one for me to, to handle because all my friends are away playing and I'm sitting at home. They're my best friends, right? But I always, you know, I felt less than. So I never wanted to be me. Like I remember praying to, you know, be better at things or, you know, to hit, actually was praying to hit puberty because I didn't hit it till like grade 11. <laughs> and uh, so that was a long time for me. And then I, I finally shot up and then I went through that awkward stage, <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, right when I got out of high school, I found alcohol because I didn't drink much in high school, but I found alcohol and it just, I went from a non-drinker to an alcoholic, like right quick because of how it made me feel, you know, the self-confidence, um, how you perceive yourself. Oh, I'm, I'm funnier when I do this, you know, I, I have, but I did have more confidence because it, it almost relaxed me. Right. But it's, it's a fake confidence. 
And then at 24 years old, I graduated, let's say, to cocaine use. And the worst thing a friend could have said to me was like, because I blacked out, he's like, man, you were funny. Boom, all of a sudden that clicks right there. So I have alcohol to give me confidence. I have drugs to make me funny. Let's mix them together. If I'm feeling low, I'm going to do them both. And then, you know what, I started doing all of it. You know, I'm mixing it and I'm doing it nightly. And I'm bartending in Vancouver, right downtown, access to anything you want, you know, and it just becomes a habit and a habit that it took me six years of actively trying to break. So at 24 years old, when I did that, a friend of or a bartender that I worked with, he asked me, Hey man, do you think you drink too much? Because I would close that bar up 15 minutes, cash out, stocked like everything wiped down i'm out where they would take them both 30 to 35 maybe even 40 minutes and managers would be like why why can't you do it like justin does it and they knew i was i needed to get the power half hour or power hour i needed that drink right and i needed to drink as much as i could before i went home and then i'd order a bottle so bartender asked me he's like do you think you're an alcoholic and i was like no i got all defensive it's no way i'm an alcoholic you know i like to have fun and then on my way home that night though and i should have because like, he was an ex-alcoholic. He told me his story, right, and why he doesn't drink. So I started to think about that. It started to, you know, come up in my head. And, like, so I started to wonder, and I'm looking up, do I drink too much? And I'm like, ah, I'm 24 years old. I like to have fun. I'm in the big city. Like, come on. And then I asked myself, am I an alcoholic? And I'm like, no. You know what? I'm too smart to be an alcoholic. Uh, alcoholism is for low lives. Um, that's not normal. And I'm normal. So. This is 12 years ago, so I'm correlating alcoholism with like being not normal and a low life. Fast forward was, but deep down, I knew, just didn't want to admit it, you know, because when you admit it, you have to ask yourself the tough questions, and you don't want the answer to those tough questions. So well, seven months down the road, I'm moved back home. I, uh, I'm driving down this stretch of road in my hometown, and I still remember it, having a conversation of depression with a buddy of mine. And I finally, I looked at it, and I'm like, man, you know what? Depression is an excuse. You know, it's for the week. You got to man up. You got to go to work. You got to pay your bills. And I don't know why, but I know why I said it. It's like, because I looked up to him and I wanted to come off as a man to him. And unfortunately, I tried to live by that man up stigma, which nearly almost took my life because living by that, you know, it, it changed my internal dialogue, how I saw myself, how I perceived myself, how I felt about myself, like the compassion no compassion. I thought I deserved everything I was going through because I know he chose to pick up that drug or chose to pick up that bottle. But at 24, I'm dismissing alcoholism. I'm not acknowledging depression, which are the two biggest things in my life that I had to face head on. I'm ignoring them, right? I'm not weak. I'm a man. I'm too smart to be an alcoholic. Well, Guess what, Justin? You're an alcoholic. You're a drug addict. And you are depressed. So it was finally when I started to admit it to myself that I was that. Um, I could actually start getting help. But it still took me six years of actively trying to quit because I couldn't accept it. So I actually have my three A's is what I call it. So you got to admit the problem, whatever it is you face. You got to accept it internally. That is the truth for you. And then you have to ask for help. So I admitted it but I wasn't going to let it define me. Then I thought I accepted it and I asked for help. Right. And I went to 400 doctor's appointments, 77 days in rehab, two different occasions. The first occasion I went with the wrong mindset. 
Like, I just got to get out of town. I got to get away from people. I have a kid on the way. I got to get better. But I just came out and I started drinking again. Um, spent 45 addiction appointments, 10 psychologists, 10 psychiatrists, eight different meds, but I found that one why, and that's what I credit most of it to. But what I didn't realize is that I didn't accept it because when I thought I felt better about myself, I stopped taking the meds. I don't need you. I stopped going to my, if I felt better, I stopped going to my counseling appointments. Oh, I can do this alone. When I went one, two, three months sober, you know what? That guy is drinking. I, I'm just as good as him. I'm, I can be just like him. I can have one, leads to two, leads to three, leads to all of a sudden I'm blacked out and I'm missing time at work with my son. So the acceptance piece for me was the hardest part. So I do believe in the three steps of admitting, accepting, and asking for help. I don't know which one's going to be the hardest. I, I think maybe admitting it to yourself is the hardest part, but having to accept it internally, like, hey, you know what? I shouldn't drink or I shouldn't do those drugs. And hey, you know what? I do need help. So for me, I had to go back to the acceptance part. And when I accepted it, you know, I could, <laughs> I could really make that lasting change because you know what? Every time I see, you see it on TV, you see it um, when I'm, I play sports. So I see it at hockey, I see it at baseball, I see it at golf. Um, it's on a commercial, it's on TV. It's, you know what? I still serve part-time. So I see that work nonstop, but I had a, a counselor ask me, how can you do that? And I said, because I keep my, well, once, once you, once it clicks, it clicks. I can tell you that, but I keep my past at my forefront. So if I ever feel like I want to drink, I look back in that past. I don't stare at it. I take a glance and I see that guy I don't like. And then I look forward and I see the guy that I do like, and I see where I'm going and I see who I want to be. So it's, uh, it's, you know, accepting that it's going to be all around you and, you know, you don't, you don't have to do it alone. There's millions of people that want to help you. Uh, and that's so true. And you made a couple, you made some amazing points there. You know, one of them is, I think that there is probably a lot of people out there that struggle with alcoholism or drug addiction and don't ask for help because they're comparing themselves. I mean, I remember when I first came into recovery, I'm like, I'm not like you people, you know, like I, I've never been homeless, right? I've never not had food on my table or a roof over my head. I mean, I had to sleep in a tent for a couple, you know, weeks. Um, but really, like, I think that is probably why some people don't get help because they just think, well, this is normal, right? And for me, it became a normal thing to drink every day. It was like my friends all did the same thing. That's who I attracted in my life. And you know, the same, you mentioned the depression part, and we do live in a society or we, you know, I think it's starting to come out a little bit now more about, you know, the importance of acknowledging mental health. But, you know, I struggle with depression, too. And it's always been the, you know, like, go hard, toughen up, you know, there's lots of sayings about, you know, being stronger, hiding your weaknesses and stuff like that. And it wasn't until I actually admitted, like, no, I'm depressed, like, there's something wrong right now. Like there, this is not normal wanting to end my life every other day. Right. And having those dark thoughts, like there is something I really need to investigate, but I'm, I'm, I know you're a big mental health advocate as well. So can you talk about that? Cause there is a lot of stigma about this kind of stuff out there. Oh yeah. Uh, first I want to go back and talk, uh, touch on that. You know, you, when you first went to rehab, you're like, I'm not like you. And you know what it's when I was in rehab, 
they're not guys out of phone and hang up. They're not guys I usually associate outside rehab with, right? Not saying they're bad guys, but I felt more normal in rehab than I did with my friends because my friends had this life and I had my life, right? <clears throat> and everyone in rehab, they had problems. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> they have problems. So you feel normal there, right? And they accept you for you. And, but I mean, when you could take 60 men and you take away their, their coping mechanisms, whew, there's a lot of testosterone going, going around that, that, <laughs> uh, that building. But, uh, no, it's, I, I feel you, you know, you re it really makes you look and it makes you readjust what, how you see people. Right. I mean, cause we could, I'm not saying everybody's guilty for it, but I was guilty for it. Like judging a book by its cover. Like, I, I'm not ashamed to say it. And that was me, you know? I mean, in high school, I used to, you know, look at, you know, gay people as different, right? Now, I, you know, I've been a uh, best man at a gay wedding. But I always used to look at, like I said, a correlated alcoholism with being homeless or being a low life. It's, no, you know what? There, there are things that go on in people's lives that they choose the way to live their life. And everyone's on a different journey. And that doesn't mean they're different. They're just not like you. They don't choose to dress like you, act like you, talk like you, right? So I know I learned a lot out of rehab that I just, you think about that they didn't teach it to you, but you, yeah, you picked up on it. But with the mental health part, um, yeah, it's, I used to drink to change my mindset. I knew I was an alcoholic, but I drank to change my mindset, to not want to die. You know, I remember one time I had a glass of wine beside me and I, when I looked over and I looked down at it, I got a calmness over my body because I had alcohol. It's so weird. Or if I had a drug beside me, I'd, I'd calm down because it was right beside me. Now, it wasn't until I started asking myself why. So I went to rehab the second time and asked myself why. So why do I drink instead of trying to quit drinking? Well, I'm depressed. Why am I depressed? Well, I have low self-worth, low self-confidence, low self-esteem. Why do you have that? Well, because you always compared yourself to somebody else. You always wanted to be other people. But you didn't learn how to talk about it. And you didn't learn how to cope with it. So there's, you know, I learned in coaching, all behavior makes perfect sense. And that's one thing that will always stick with me. Right. And there's a reason why people act the way they are. Well, there's a reason why, you know, some of those people turn into addicts. And, you know, I went to rehab with a guy that, you know, he was uh, put up for adoption in a different country, brought over. Um, I think, believe he was molested, put up for adoption again. Like, some people have bad issues going on. And, you know, the other day, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I was at the gym and I seen this thread, Facebook thread come on in my town. And it was like, oh, there's this addict in the park, uh, this homeless addict they're using. Oh, we need to get him out. It was a public park. And I got frustrated. And I'm like, and I was, I wanted to respond and I wanted to light people up. But I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just go talk to that person? Because, you know what? Everybody wants to be seen, heard. And valued so why don't i go talk to them so i went down to the park and i sat them there for an hour and a half with that person you know i she was she just had a she had a you know what some bad things happened to her and her kids weren't in her life anymore and just really hurt her but she moved out of a town to come here so she could quit because the place where she lived there was too much drugs she could get it from anywhere so I called a couple of my contacts. We got her uh, 
a place to stay. We got her, you know, her prescriptions re-upped, got her some food. And all she wanted was a person to talk to. All she needed was a person to come and say, how are you doing? What's going on? Would you like some help? Instead of, hey, get out of here, junkie. You know, and that's what someone said to her. And it's, I asked her a little bit of her backstory and I'm not going to repeat it all, but she, she told me what was going on. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot to face. Like when you feel like you need to go to a substance to feel better about yourself, there's something going on. I mean, I do, I don't work in a restaurant. I do can see some people that they just like to drink and party, right? But they can turn it off. Or people that can't turn it off, there's something going on. Or even, you know what, maybe for some people that can't turn it off, they're just more responsible or something. There's still going something going on as well. So you got to look at the mental health aspect of it. And what you're talking about with the, the man up stigma, like I lived by that, like man up just. And I remember at work, I'd look across the, um, my workstation at the other guy when we were laying up plywood all day. They just sit there is what we do. And I remember thinking, I couldn't remember his name because my thoughts, am I going to make it? Like, that's what I was thinking the whole time, but I forgot his name. And then I was like, oh, you know what? He's not complaining. He's probably happy. Why can't I be happy? Oh, if you're just a loser. You're a failure. You know what? You're a baby. You're just weak. And like, that just kept going on in my head. And to eventually, I was like, you deserve this. You deserve everything you have going for you. You're just a complainer. And so that, that man up stigma almost, you know, ended my life. But when I finally, you know, put my vulnerability out there, I said, Hey, I am suicidal. I had a plan and I almost did end it. I was lucky that, you know, I woke up and I had a knife in my bed and my wrists were cut. Like, and I don't remember doing it. So I'm very, very lucky. But I remember the feeling I had that night. And I remember like I didn't want to, to be here but that man up almost got to me and you know it's when I stopped that man up and you know what ma what I think man up is now take responsibility for yourself what you've done your actions your choices but ask for help ask for help and uh you know I did a, <clears throat> a mental health presentation for a group of girls out of Kitsilano and they asked me like they're high school girls and they asked me so I have these friends that you know, they're struggling and I asked them what they're going to do. They're like, oh, we're just going to man up. And she's like, what do I say to that? Like, well, ask them how that's working for them. <laughs> it's the simplest thing you do. Oh, you want to man up? Okay, how's that working? Is that is it working for you? Is that make you feel better? Well, no. Okay. Ask for help. 100%. I mean, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it if I hadn't asked for help. And you know, when I first was judgy and like, I'm not like you people, the more I learned to listen, like you said, some people just want to be heard. The more I started to find commonalities and it's like, wow, I really, I, I could accept the fact that that is, that is, you know, what's happened. And I started to look back and I remember writing up my life story and really, like you said, you have to know, right? You can glance back at your past. But you got to know that things were that bad. And for me, I was like, wow. And I could start to identify the patterns, my behaviors, what triggered me and stuff. And so I learned how to get rid of that. And I think in, you know, early recovery for me, it was all about that 
kind of self-reflection and really digging into things and finding out who I truly was, how I could make things better and how I could go further into my personal development. Because that's something I also didn't do, right? I'm like, I'm not worthy of taking a course. I'm not worthy of going back to school. Like, who am I to do this? I'm just an alcoholic and a drug addict, right? And I labeled myself for a very, very long time as that. And oh, now- once you label yourself. <sighs> yes. Right? And it, it stops you dead in your tracks, right? And I'm like, well, I should just be grateful for this life I have. I should be grateful I have a job. I should be grateful for this. And it's like, but if I put even half the amount of energy into something positive than I did to get loaded, like just imagine the change. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's funny because I'm passionate about, you know, getting healthy too, because food is something, I love food, right? I love socializing. It's just, it, it is something that is a challenge today for me because when I have sugar, I'm off to the races. But when you hear somebody that's come from a life of addiction and they're like, no. I don't have the willpower to lose weight. It's like, really, if somebody told you, you couldn't have a beer, would you have accepted no as an answer? Or would you have actually found a way to make that happen for yourself and to find your own journey to make that happen for yourself? So, you know, what? go ahead. That, that With that sugar, that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was never a sugar head <laughs> until I quit drinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, man, it's, and it's something I can struggle with too. I can have like month, a month without sugar. And then I have it. So it's something I'm actually working on right now. It's because, you know, and it could be that instant gratification, but you, there's so sugar and alcohol, like you're missing it. So it's where when discipline comes in and realizing that what you eat can directly affect your mental health. Yeah. Because oh. your brain, I think, takes in 25% of the glucose levels in your body. So you are what you eat. Your energy is what you eat, right? So, I mean, it's, I know I, the diet is one of the ones I want to work on. I do eat mostly healthy, but I mean, I can have those sugar binges. Yeah, and I think there is, I mean, I talk about cross addiction on the show as well. And it's like, we, I did it with fitness, right? I mean, when I first got sober, I lost 75 pounds. I was eating chicken, broccoli, and rice every day. I was diligent. I went to the gym six, seven days a week, but it wasn't sustainable, right? And today I always promote people. It's like, you know, if you want to be successful at something, find something you're passionate about. Find something you love to do. If you like going hiking instead of spending hours in the gym, do that because you're still getting outside. You're still getting active, but you have to do what you love doing because eventually once you make those things a habit it becomes less difficult to actually do and you start to enjoy the journey so for you you know after you got clean and sober um you know how did you build that foundation for yourself and how did you get to the point where you actually discovered your purpose and what you do today well um i didn't realize this and it's why i talked to you earlier before the podcast on why i took a little bit of a break um, I went in too hard. So when you get out of rehab, they don't suggest you do anything for another, for a year, right? Cause it does take your brain two years to recover or more. Like for, for me having concussions, using alcohol and drugs, like both, not just one or the other, I really punished my head. And uh, six months out, uh, I got a job back at the bar. Um, I don't, I don't recommend people doing that, but for me, I, my mind was clear. I was done drinking. But what working there did for me was I could make money at night, I'd go to school during the day, 
I could be with my family. So six months out, I got a job um, <clears throat> working. I was working six, seven days a week because we just opened up that restaurant. I got back together with my girlfriend who left me at six when my kid was six months old and got back together with her. Then I started going to school, like doing my coaching courses. Then I started doing a, motivation, a couple of motivational speaking courses. Then I started volunteering. Then I was doing speaking gigs. Then I created a program. Then I uh, got clients. So eventually, you know, and I'm doing another life coaching course. It caught up to me because I made myself too busy. I was going to the gym six, seven days a week. Um, so I just scaled back like a month ago. Or I scaled back to five days a week at the gym. And I think I'm going to go to four days a week because at, when I'm serving and coaching my kids baseball and going to soccer now, it's kind of, I'm doing, I have a Fitbit and I'm doing like 140,000 steps a week. Like last week was 153 and it's, uh, it's, you know what, it's a lot. So I'm going to scale it back. But when I got out of rehab, um, three weeks out of it, I went and spoke to, um, a school for troubled teens. And I had to speak two different times that day. And you know what, as soon as I saw them looking back at me, this is be something I want to do. You know, because I always liked Les Brown, Eric Johnson, or not Eric Johnson, Inky Johnson. Les, okay, so Les Brown, Inky Johnson, Trent Shelton, Eric Thomas. Love those guys. Love watching them. Love listening to them. Um, so I wanted to be kind of like that. And I started doing it. And I just, I loved watching people looking back at me engaged and listening and knowing that I could possibly change one person's life. And, you know, I went and spoke at a, at a mill and the one guy got up after I spoke and he spoke and told his struggles. And then two guys the next day called in and made appointments for mental health. So that's how I kind of, I fell into it. Like if you were to say, Justin, as a kid, Justin, you're going to be depressed. Justin, you're going to be an addict. Justin, you're going to become suicidal and you're going to try to take your own life. I would have been like, ha, you're right. Whatever. For one, I'm a teenager. I don't listen to anything. <laughs> Two, in my adolescent years, you know, <laughs> my young adult years, I didn't listen to anything either. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was able to take all that pain that I had and turn it into a purpose. I fell into speaking. I fell into, well, I, you know, I rose into speaking. I rose into coaching because I never, I always wanted to be a SWAT team member. I could see that. Uh, well, <laughs> other choices <laughs> against that. But, um, you know, it's, yeah, I just, I, that's how I found it. And I decided to, you know, if I can give back, then it makes it all worth it because I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for a second. Those long days, lonely nights, you know, darkness, not knowing if I'm going to make it, you know, I, I, you know, like I said before, I don't have to, but I get to, you know, give hope and inspiration to others to follow a path, you know, ask for help, get better because it is, I'm proof, you're proof that it does get better, but it's, is it hard work? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. Okay. Take that first step. Absolutely. And you know, that you saying you wouldn't change it for the world. I totally agree. Like, you know, there's days where I'm like, man, I wish I could have got this thing sooner because I realize how good this life being clean and sober is because I was first worried. I'm like, well, how am I going to have fun? Right? I mean, I know I used it to self-soothe a lot, but 
I'm like, how am I going to celebrate things? Like, what happens if I go to Vegas? Like, I've been to Vegas, Mexico, Spain, mm-hmm. and I've sat and watched people drink. And there's not one part of me that wants to partake now because I know I don't have to to have fun, right? And yeah, and I, that's that's the key is when you get out of sobriety, finding a way to have fun yeah. without it. See, that's a that was the hardest part I found was the living in sobriety part. And yeah. then. And it's so awesome. Like I have actually, now that I'm not as, I used to hide it, right? I used to, in the beginning, I'm like, well, I can't tell anybody I'm sober. I'm ashamed of it. Oh, if people find out, what are they going to say? You know, and now I don't even care because it it is who I am, right? This is Mm -hmm. my lifestyle now. And I've actually, like, it was like life was training me for this very moment. And some of the stuff that, you know, we've gone through really sucks and I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. You know, if somebody can catch that earlier on in life and not have to live through that, but at the same time, that has molded me into the human being I am today. And I think that I have a lot more compassion. I have a lot more sympathy, right? I want to reach out. I want to help people. I'm not stuck in my head and self-centered each and every day and just thinking about myself. And, you know, I just, I love who I become. So you know, I love to ask this question, what motivates you? Because I know that I found my why and I, I know every day why I wake up, but what motivates you? Well, you know, my why to get better was my son. I had to make him my why. Um, and then my why to keep going now is uh, people. It's people that are struggling, 100%. My why is the people, the people who need the encouragement, who, you know what, they, they want to give up, but they don't want to give up. Where they don't want to give up, but they want—they just need a little bit of inspiration or motivation. They motivate me to do what I do, right? But you know, my son's still a big part of that. I—I I want him to look up to me and be like, "Oh, wow, he's a great role model." I, mean, I still want that. But I mean, he's five years old; he copies everything I do anyway. So, <laughs> so far. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's people. It's you know, it's people that are struggling, people that want to get better. You know, people that are kind of lost. You know, they're looking for a little more self love. They want to get rid of those self limiting beliefs, stuff like that. And I mean, it it makes me do what I do. I love that. So, what does life look like for you today? Because I mean, we get to see you on social media and stuff like that, and it, you you always have this big smile on your face, right? And you're very passionate about what you talk about, and I love that. Well, you know, and it's it's getting back into fatherhood because for three years, three and a half years we were i was broken up with my girlfriend and i saw my kid two times a week and in the beginning it wasn't overnight um and i honestly i don't really remember because you know when i had him i bar- I, I drank I think twice in those three years three times maybe but i never got drunk with him um that was a rule of mine but uh, i drank on a wedding he was in the me and him were both in the wedding party but my ex came to pick him up at midday um but it, I was in such an addiction during that phase that I don't really remember him being a kid. I don't like I don't remember much of any of his childhood. Well, I mean his infant years, I guess, or toddler years. Now that he's five. I'm, you know, I'm trying to be the dad that he needs. You know, I coach him in hockey. I coached him in hockey, and I and my I think the first time I did your podcast, I talked about me staring at the back of his head, wondering if I was ever going to see him score his first goal. And you know, I got his first puck. <laughs> I got to see him score his first goal. Now I get to coach him in baseball. Holy cow. Is it really hard to coach 13 
you six kids in baseball. All <laughs> <laughs> you want to do is beat each other up. And there, there's at least three or four kids that cry every single time. There's, a, you know, in hockey we have five coaches for thirteen kids. You know, in baseball we have two of us, and there's two other teams on the field in their little cohorts. Right? <laughs> it's so tough, but you learn, you learn a lot more, right? But nowadays, yeah, I'm trying to be in my kid's life more and more. You know, I'm going to take another coaching course. And um, I'm reaching out to schools more now. I have a speaking gig coming up on Wednesday. The following Wednesday, I have a mental health presentation with that same school just for the teachers. And it's just, you know, cold email. You're going to get an email. If you're a school, you're going to get an email from me. You just wait. And if not, if you don't answer that email, you're going to get a call. But, you know, it's start to promote my coaching again. Because like I said, I took a little bit of a break, but now I'm ready to go back at it. Um, just, you know, you, you got to learn how to protect your time and space. You know, I, I hear people, oh, success loves speed, success loves speed. Well, you know what? I'm an active guy, very active. You know, my do- job isn't just sitting down all day. So I have to learn um, how to control my time. Okay. Am I going to the gym too much? Should I be there for an hour and a half like I usually am? Working out straight. No, I probably shouldn't. I'm going to go down to four days. And so I can learn more, get more time for my own personal growth. And, you know, just get more people enrolled in this Stronger You project and some, turn some lives around. That's awesome. And, you know, it's you talk about managing your time. I'm the same way. I mean, when I was working my corporate job and coaching, I was up at 3.30, 4 a.m. every day and to bed at 8. And I could have pushed it longer, but I really got burnt out. And now, mm-hmm. you know, I have to be careful because that personality goes into my entrepreneurship because I love what I'm doing and I could spend all day creating, recording podcasts, coaching clients, like, but that will lead to burnout so that there's that (laughs) aspect where I'm like, well, back it up. So I love how you talk about that saving your time because that's what it's about, right? Is putting what's important first in your life and living a life that you're truly like just have joy and you're fulfilled. Yeah, 100% because, you know, if you start to get to burnout, what happens? Your emotions, you know, you get irritable, you get angry, you get frustrated, you get sad, you start eating sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you start having cravings. And what do you crave? Well, maybe that thing that you don't really need in your body right now. Exactly. So if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Uh, well, www.justinbryan.com. Um, JustinBryan19 on Instagram. I just Justin Bryan on Facebook. I turned my personal Facebook into my professional one. Basically, I share content, you know, and maybe a picture or two of me and my kid here and there, or I really like to put it in my stories of me beating my son in something, just to remind people, <laughs> just to remind him that I have proof that I beat him in something because the way my body's going, he's going to pass me in about three or four years. <laughs> he sure is. I know. I saw on one of your, uh, was it one of your stories today, you guys were running and he's way behind you. You're like, come on, winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> Okay, well, the thing is, is, like, we had a race before, and I stopped before the fence, and then he went winning by me. I'm like, oh. he's like, who's the winner now? <laughs> I'm like, oh, this time, I'm going to crush him. So, last time, I, I think I had his backpack. This time, his backpack was heavy. And I said, okay, let's go. And then I started running. <laughs> that is awesome. And then I ran through the fence and made sure I filmed it all. So, I have proof. <laughs> Maybe I'll play that at his wedding. Yeah, you'll need that when uh, when he's older and, and kicking your butt every day. So yeah, I know it's it's coming sooner, sooner <laughs> rather than later, I think. 
Well, Justin, thank you so much for being on the show again. It's such a pleasure to have you. I always love connecting with you and I love what you do. Thank you very much. It's always great to be here. And I look forward to working with you more in the future. You know, I really hope that you heard something today that will help inspire you to do more, to really live that life that you were meant to live. Uh, that's why I love having guests like Justin on the show to share their story and just spread a little bit about that hope and inspiration, especially when it comes to mental health and addiction. And guys, if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for one of our collaboration Zoom Zoom calls. You get a little education, you'll get to network with like-minded individuals so it can help you scale your business. And then we do some extra fun at the end of every single meet. So you can sign up by heading over to www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Road Beyond Recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality? When you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you, anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.